0: Welcome to the ninth episode of the 1796 Podcast, a monthly podcast that features exclusive interviews and in-depth news about the Tennessee National Guard and the Tennessee Military Department. The
1: 1796 Podcast is produced every month by the airmen and soldiers of the Tennessee National Guard Joint Public Affairs Office.
0: I'm Lieutenant Colonel Malone. And I'm Captain Hall, your co-host of the 1796 Podcast. As we wrap up the inaugural year of the podcast, we'll hear from senior leaders about lessons learned and what we can expect in 2023.
1: Captain Hall sits down with Brigadier General Warner Ross, the Assistant Adjutant General for the Tennessee Army National Guard.
0: And Lieutenant Colonel Malone talks with Colonel Jason Glass, the Assistant Adjutant General for the Tennessee Air National Guard.
1: And of course, we'll brief you on the latest and most important news impacting the Tennessee National Guard in our Tennessee Bluff news segment. Let's go first to Captain Hall with Brigadier General Ross. Well, we are honored
0: today to be joined by Brigadier General Warner Ross, who is the Assistant Adjutant General for the Army National Guard. General Ross, thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you. But it's my honor because I think, you know, our ability to get the message out or the efforts that you guys go towards uh, putting our message out and getting our story out is very important. This is another medium to do that. So the honor
0: is mine. Thank you, sir. Well, General Ross, uh, we're excited to kick it off with the first question. Just you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you into the Army National Guard.
2: Yeah, so I go back uh, to rural West Tennessee uh, to a small farm that was uh, had a lot of veterans on it. And uh, so they had a tremendous amount of influence on me. Uh, obviously, uh, in fact, one of those guys that worked on my dad and granddad's farms actually uh, took me over to the recruiting office and Tennessee National Guard the armory there in Bolivar and uh, had me convinced that at his age I think he was 40 late 40s that if I signed up as a 23 year old 22 year old uh, straight out of college that he would resign uh, I, uh, you know end up signing all the paperwork and I turned over to what I thought was my mentor to watch him sign in he's like well they, I'm sorry uh, uh, Nub. No, they told me I was a little bit too old but uh, those guys had a tremendous influence. My, I come from a military family uh, and in, this, in that rural background, and you know, never envisioned that 32 or 33 years later I would still be serving, but I'm so happy I did. I'm so thankful for the influence that, not just those guys on the farm, I think there were seven or eight families there that lived and worked with us, uh, alongside of us, but every family had a patriarch Uh, in multiple generations that had served, both in Korea, Vietnam, all of those people had a tremendous amount of influence on why I got in and really, truthfully, why I continued to serve. That is a phenomenal background. And and one thing that, that our listeners may not
0: know is that you have a deep background in public education as well. Yeah. And so we'd love for you to share a little bit about that background and how you see that relating to your work here in the Army National Guard, and especially as it relates to training and preparing soldiers for the future.
2: Yeah, it's, it's directly connected. So uh, my mom was a teacher, uh, and had an uncle, a great uncle that had been a, a teacher and superintendent. So I was uh, drawn to that, that occupation as well. But the direct connection comes two weeks ago on a Friday on Veterans Day when we welcomed our 268 MP battalion back or, or uh, the 268 MPs back, the company back uh, from their mission over the Horn of Africa. And standing there on the tarmac with General Holmes and General Cole and a lot of families and stuff, I had a particular interest in this this unit because when that plane deboarded, there were three soldiers on there that I had served, uh, not only served with, but I had served as their middle school principal. Uh, One of those three soldiers, uh, not only had I served as his middle school principal back years ago, but also had just hired him three years ago as an ag teacher in my district at at one of my high schools. So I'd watch these guys, and in a lot of cases, gals as well, come up through uh, the middle school. Uh, They were my students. Uh, Later, as I was a superintendent of school for 12, 13 years in Hardiman County, I just got to see the progression. And I went to every high school graduation, had a direct connection to those that were going into the military, whether it was Compo 1 or Compo 2 or whatever their choice was. I really you know we, we put a lot of emphasis in education on post-secondary education and that's great uh, we put even more emphasis on those that go and play college athletics you know we have signing parties and all that well I made it my mission to take a direct interest in those that were going to the military whether it be active duty service Navy Coast Guard National Guard or whatever and uh, we started recognizing our seniors uh, at graduation with with uh, special cords and uh, veils to go on on their graduation robes, uh, because uh, and now back to your original question, you know, how do I see the training uh, correlation there? What we do in the military uh, is continually teach, so it's just an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Those two careers are, are connected in what we do, and so you know, that, to me, that's very very special. And that's uh, if if I would show up and do this job. Free of charge, just to get those opportunities to see, and I'm here to tell you, as a public edu- public school educator, that uh, we got a lot of great young people.
0: Well, that's really a remarkable connection between uh, between those two those two career paths, and and just like in public education, the Army and the military at large is facing a lot of changes right now. What are some imminent changes that you see happening here in the Tennessee Army National Guard?
2: Well, there, there's a lot of good changes going on. Uh, you know, we have our modernization, so. Uh, modernization right now, the, 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 big ticket item for us is, is our tanks and Bradleys and specifically the 278. So that's going to go through about the next year. Uh, the really unique thing is for us, the two seventy eight is one of five, uh, ABCTs that's, that's out there in the, in the compo two, uh, formations, but we will be the first to go through modernization of those five national guard brigades. So... That's great for us, that's great for our soldiers. I got uh, two weeks ago, uh, just by happenstance, got to go to Lima, Ohio to uh, actually the, the, the facility there that manufactures the tanks and, and uh, refurbishes those. Actually got to see uh, some of the 278's hulls. Uh, they strip those things all the way down to the hull and rebuild them. So it's a pretty phenomenal process. Those folks are really happy to see the end user, which is not me, but I represent the end user, you know, in the plant and in the assembly plant and watching. But actually, based off the whole numbers, uh, got to see some of our, our units going through that, that process. So that's going to be great for us. We're going to have the, we're going to have the, the most modernized uh, brigade in the National Guard with the 278th but having said that modernization goes across as touching every brigade that we have i think uh just a couple of months ago i was uh, had a presentation for senior leaders here in the state and we looked at all the different pieces of equipment that were were modernizing there's not a brigade that's not being touched so that's all good next week we'll be assuming control and licensing for about 16,000 additional acres down in West Tennessee, uh, Milan at the Milan Arsenal. Uh, That's going to open up a lot of opportunity for us for maneuver lanes, uh, scout recce ranges, uh, to do some things here in Tennessee that that our soldiers have to travel to Camp Shelby, Fort Stewart, uh, Fort Campbell, other places just to have that type of maneuver space. So Milan uh, training uh, site is going to give us great opportunity in space, uh, you know, an additional 16,000 acres that we just haven't had before. So it's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. Sounds like great things that are happening in the Army National
0: Guard. So step back into your days as uh, as a school leader. And mm-hmm. if you're talking to a high school student right now that might be listening to this podcast, why should they join the Tennessee Army National Guard?
2: Well, a lot of it, a lot of good reasons there. You know, on the education front, the things that we can do with our Strong Act. Uh, our states in an enviable position that we already have Hope Scholarship, Tennessee Promise. So uh, now we have the Strong Act, which can carry you all the way through a master's. I don't. Uh, when I would sit with a with a high school student, I did this many times, to include my own sons, uh, who who had served in the National Guard. Uh, I didn't necessarily say, Hey, we're the only choice. I just want to be at the table and I want to show all these opportunities that you had to grow, you know, uh, be a part of something and, and, and get, I think the guard p- provides us an opportunity, uh, or a young person myself too, till, to, to this day, Hey, that the guard is, is at the intersection of purpose and passion. You know, uh, it, it's a passion to be a, a, most of us want to be a part of a team Well, we provide that a thousand fold, whether it's on in, in aircraft, whether it's on the cyber teams, whether it's on in, in a Bradley crew, a tank crew over in the engineers, it's this so different, so many different and diverse teams that you can be on here. And then it's that purpose, you know, serving something larger than yourself. I don't know that any of us uh, come to this uniform to get wealthy, because if you do, you're not going to. Uh, but we most all of us come for a purpose larger than ourselves. and that's what the Guard provides. What a, what a remarkable history and,
0: and, and career you've had in the military so far, and obviously great things left to come. We always close our, our interviews with this one question of if you were had the opportunity to provide advice and, and counsel to our young airmen and soldiers, what would it be?
2: Be confident. Uh, I saw this quote yesterday and it's not certainly not original to me. I hope I can re quote it properly. I I do the things that I'm afraid of so that I can do the things that I'm afraid of to build my confidence. Uh, There will come a time as you are in the military or actually regardless whether you're in military or not. If you're out in the civilian sector and in leadership. And Oh, by the way, leadership is—is is, I saw this this as well. It's not original to me, but it really struck me that leadership is not something you give others; it's something that others bestow you the opportunity to do, based off their trust and confidence in 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 you. So, uh, build build your confidence. Do do the things that you're afraid of, so that you can do the things that you're afraid of. Trust your trust your soldiers. Let them those that you are attempting to lead. Let them. Uh, have a shot at what you're doing as well bring them in on the process uh consensus is not required but input is uh and let 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 your teams uh, help build you and the organization so uh that's what i that's what i would tell tell young folks is uh give it a try yeah it's certainly i can only speak from my own personal experience it's changed my life it's changed uh my, my wife and my son's lives, and it's all for the better. And uh, it's been just such an honor and joy to, to, to wear this uniform. Well, General Ross, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you.
0: Up first this month in the Tennessee Bluff, soldiers in the 268th Military Police Company just returned from a deployment to the Horn of Africa. More than 80 soldiers returned to Tennessee from a nearly year-long deployment in mid-November. The 268th, which is based in Millington, is comprised of military police soldiers trained in security operations, base defense, movement control, and law and order. The soldiers spent the last 10 months serving in Djibouti as part of Combined Joint Task Force, Horn of Africa. The 268th conducted several different missions during their deployment, but were mainly responsible for securing and defending an airfield, which was located roughly six miles southwest of Djibouti City, the nation's capital. In national news, Congress is considering legislation that would allow Drill Status Guard members to participate in cost-free health insurance coverage. The bipartisan legislation, if passed, would give Guard and Reserve members access to no-fee healthcare through Tricare Reserve Select. Currently, TRS charges a fee for medical and dental coverage. The legislation has yet to pass the House or the Senate. And in other national news, following the Department of Defense's move to ban the social media app TikTok in 2020, other government agencies and officials are following suit. The state of South Dakota recently banned the use of the app on state-owned devices, and Federal Communications Commissioner Brendan Carr called for a complete ban in the United States in late November. Usage of TikTok is prohibited for U.S. military personnel due to the significant cybersecurity risks associated with using the social media platform. Any Guard members with questions on proper social media usage should contact their public affairs office. That's our Tennessee Bluff for this month. Up next, Lieutenant Colonel Malone sits down with Colonel Jason Glass.
1: Well, listeners of the 1796 Podcast, I am honored and thrilled to be joined today by Colonel Jason Glass. Colonel Glass is the Assistant Adjutant General for Air for the Tennessee Air National Guard. Sir, welcome to the 1796 Podcast. Thank you, Marty. Well, sir, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to be in the National Guard and how you came to be where you are now. So
3: I started out enlisted in the 241st in Chattanooga, went to uh, ROTC in Memphis and, and active duty after that. And then February of 2000, got back into the Guard, uh, back into the 241st. Was there for about uh, six months, then got hired on at uh, full-time in Knoxville at the 228th Combat Communication Squadron. Uh, and then to Joint Force orders as a J-6. Uh, over to Barry Field as the Cyber Intel group commander and then back to the uh, to my current position here at headquarters.
1: Awesome oh that's great what a great great trip for you and so uh, let's just dig into the, some of these questions so I know Tennessee is blessed to have three wings. they've got c-17s in Memphis, ISR in Nashville and kc-135s in Knoxville and people from those wings have started initiatives like the First Sergeant Symposium and the security Forces Patrol course. And those were created by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. But other people from other states and other agencies are trained to get into those. They want to come to our First sergeant Symposium. They want to come to our patrol course. What makes Tennessee such a hotbed for these creative initiatives? Well, I think it's several factors, but uh, the leading factor to
3: that is leadership. Uh, we've got leaders, uh, both officer enlisted across the state of Tennessee, that are, are fully engaged. Uh, they want to grow and mature airmen. Uh, because they are our future. And they take that to heart. None of that has been a push on on my side. And and the the team across the state, they've taken off and run with it. So First Sergeant Symposium, as you said, uh, we've uh, we've been doing that for about three or four years now. Numerous other states, I I don't know off the top of my head, but typically I think our highest was about 225 from across the nation. Held at the TEC, we've got great locations to do that. Uh, and to host that kind of event. So uh, that, that has worked out really well. Our active, active duties participated in as well as the reserves. So, again, Tennessee is, is leading the way in that regard. The uh, patrol course, I always say uh, when, once you got a security forces member, it's a security forces member for life. You can't breed it out of them. Uh, they absolutely love what they do, and they're excellent at what they do. So they identified a gap. Uh, they, they took the challenge and said, hey, we're, we're going to address the gap in Tennessee. Well, that from, from day one, it, uh, it, it turned out to be an excellent course. Um, we taught that uh, both Army and Air, so we practice our jointness in Tennessee. So we had soldiers go through that course as our first course as well, uh, but predominantly for our Security Forces members, for training that they were no longer getting in their three-level awarding school out of tech schools. So. Since then, we've opened it up. One class we had eight other states participating in. Uh, our, our state partnership, Bulgaria, has sent airmen over here to participate in this course and uh, couldn't be prouder of what our airmen are doing out there for the nation. And uh, right now we're, we're trying to work the resourcing for that because uh, that's another thing that airmen do here in Tennessee is they will take it out of hide. Uh, whether it's time, money, resources, uh, they're going to make it work and be successful and uh, couldn't be prouder of the team for
1: that. Awesome. Well, sir, I know there's some things coming down the road that we're looking forward to here in Tennessee. What are some of the imminent changes you see coming to yeah, Tennessee? So, or so
3: really exciting times, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. But uh, again, our airmen in the field are leading the way. So uh, right now we're we're working with NGB uh, to establish a cyber operations group and cyber operations squadron. Uh, both will be located in, in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, really looking at the future. So as you, as you look at where to divest or where to grow, you always want to lean forward and look at what's going to be out there for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, cyber is, is not going anywhere, right? and I think it will become more prominent as a warfighting capability that, that we use in the future. So the ability to grow those groups and squadrons uh, in Knoxville, it will also help us restructure some of our current existing manpower and, and mission sets. Uh, to consolidate all that under one group. Great initiative, uh, again, uh, airmen in the field leading the way. Another one that, uh, we, that we've got on the books right now that we're working hot and heavy is uh, for the KC-46. Our KC-135s are, I think, the youngest one is around 60, 62 years old now uh... so at some point we've got to get into the future of the, of the air refueling business and i will tell you couldn't be prouder of the men and women of the 134th national level award winners best air refueling wing in the nation twice and in, in the last six years uh... just incredible people incredible mission and incredible location so currently i think we're well established we're we're ready for the forty six today uh... just built a brand new hangar had a ribbon cutting this past year on the on the, uh, on the new hangar. Pease flew one of their KC-46s down, and we actually cut the ribbon with the KC-46 sitting in the hangar. I don't know of too many other states that can say that. But other things on top of that, uh, just uh, did a ribbon cutting as well for uh, adding an additional 10,000 foot runway up at McGee-Tyson, so. Uh, a lot of real estate that we can build and house and uh, integrate with our active duty partners that will come with that mission set. So I'm really excited about that one. I think we've got a we've got a strong case to build for Tennessee. Awesome.
1: Are there any other long term initiatives? Something fifteen twenty years that might be a dream at this point, but well, I, something I, you'd like to see?
3: I, I would call it a dream. So we used to have a space mission here in Tennessee. My understanding is that uh, it did not make it in this NDAA. Right. Don't know what the f- future of that looks like. Uh, but Tennessee still has trained airmen right. uh, in that space mission. We've got facilities uh, that can facilitate that, so I think we've we've got a good way ahead there. Uh, as you look in, and as funds are cut, uh, looking at force structure across the nation, all branches of the service, uh, looking at existing facilities that can be reutilized, I think Tennessee stands a a strong strong opportunity to grow uh, if growth is needed and required by the
1: active duty. Cool. Very interesting. So, sir, let's say you had a potential recruit standing in front of you. What do you tell them to let them know that the Tennessee Air National Guard is a great option for military service compared to, say, reserve or active duty? So I've got a little bit of
3: background there. I've been you, both guard and active duty. Right. Uh, so that, that helps in that discussion. But uh, when, whenever I meet with our, uh, our student flight folks across the state and talk with them, Find out what their goals, aspirations are, where they want to go. Uh, my biggest lead in line was, you have just enlisted in the biggest adventure of your life. Uh, my, my short 33 years in uniform has been the biggest adventure of my life. And I think actions speak louder than words. Uh, both of my boys are in. I couldn't be prouder of them in the Air Force. And uh, it, it, it truly is. It's an adventure. We teach things habitually in the military, like leadership like responsibility, uh, like goals, focus—that uh, not everybody gets in in the day-to-day walk of life. Being an airman not only brings a skill set to those individuals; uh, it brings a mission accompli- accomplishment to those individuals, but it also broadens their horizons in this very world, which is a big part of the guard. You know, uh, only there's about 30% of us that are full-time; the rest of us or the rest of our airmen have other full-time jobs. Right. And um, being able to use the what you've learned because of your military aspect, whether it's training or, or whatever, uh, leadership, um, it really helps those airmen out in the future.
1: Awesome. So you mentioned student flight. Let's say you had a student flight in front in front of you or any of us for that fact. What's your best piece of advice or leadership advice for us?
3: Well, so one of the things that are uh, a couple of the mottos that, that uh, I have tried to lived through in my my 33 years. Uh, one is never ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Right. Uh, and I truly mean that. I think I've done quite a bit. <laughs> uh, but that, I know there's some things that I haven't done. But I'm always willing to try and lean out there. And uh, I, I believe in leading by example. I believe in actually leading airmen uh, the way we should lead airmen, the way I was brought up when I was enlisted. The second uh, word of advice is, or thing that I would say is, my job is no more important than a senior airman in A1C uh, in the field today. Uh, we just have different jobs and responsibilities, uh, but we are all important. Everybody has a piece of the puzzle, uh, and it takes the complete team to make our operations work. And we are Tennessee is shining in our
1: operational aspects. Awesome, sir. Thank you so much. Great advice for all of us. Well, thank you for joining us on the 1796 podcast. All right. Thank you, Marty. Take care, sir. All right. Bye. Well, listeners, thanks so much for listening to the 1796 podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing, sharing this episode with friends, and giving us a five-star review. The 1796 podcast is produced by the Tennessee National Guard Joint Public Affairs Office. For more information, please visit www.tn.gov military.